This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. All right, Scott Burnside. Uh, <laughs> Overtime Scott B on Twitter. Check out the newsletter. Uh, thank you very much for your time, sir. We got a lot of storylines here. Do you have a favorite one? Rod, Moe. Uh, the entire Stahl family here. Even Jared works in the uh, in the Florida uh, minor league system. He was an assistant coach for their minor league team in Charlotte. You got a favorite? I don't know. I, I kind of like the uh, the upper management. You know, Paul Kropelka and Rick Dudley. Oh, who Really, you know, helped. Uh, you know, helped in the transition under Tom Dundon and Don Waddell taking over as GM. And you go back to Rod Brindamore's first. Um, you know, sort of a uh, couple of years as head coach. And, you know, Paul Kropelka and Rick Dudley, two really smart guys behind yeah. the scenes. They're part of Billy Zito's management team in Florida. And uh, But you're right, Adam. The whole, you know, I love the Paul Maurice-Rod Brindamore connection. And, you know, because you and I have been around a long time and you think about, you know, the O2 run and Paul Maurice's role there. And then really his second tenure taking to the, the Canes to the East final in 09. There's a lot of history with Paul Maurice and this organization and this community. So, and, and a real special, you know, he not only coached Rod Brindamore, but gave Rod a chance to join his coaching staff yep. when Rod had retired. So I, I like all of it. And, and I like the idea that these are, you know, Certainly less with the Hurricanes, but I think with the injuries to Pacioretty and Svachnikov and certainly Tavo Teravainen going down early against the Islanders, I think that there were a lot of people, A, who liked the Islanders to win that series. Yes. And I think there were a lot of people who liked the Devils um, to come up uh, ahead of Carolina in the second round. And, of course, Florida, you know, who who liked them to beat Boston or Toronto. So I, I think there's a certain... You know, I don't know whether it's underdog mentality, but there's a certain you know, sort of grittiness about how both these teams have arrived at the Final Four. Both both of these teams can use nobody gave us a chance. at the begin, right, right, Florida at the beginning of the playoffs and maybe Carolina as well, based on personnel attrition. Yeah, no, and I think that's fair. And I think, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter to the Panthers. I, I do think... You know, I watched that series against Toronto very closely, and and I just saw a Toronto team that, even though they'd shaken off the, the burden of not having won a playoff round since 2004, they looked like a tight team. They mm-hmm. looked like a team that wrestled with the expectation that they should roll over Florida. And, you know, I'm sure the message from Paul Maurice and the, the leadership group in that Florida room is, hey, we're playing with found money Let's have some fun with this. Um, I think we saw that certainly as the Panthers roll to a 3-0 series lead against Toronto. I expect they'll bring that same mentality. And and for me, Carolina has just been, uh, you know, they just have been in a different zone for virtually the entire playoffs, right? They've played their game. They've imposed their will on both the Islanders and the New Jersey Devils with rare exceptions in both those series. My guess is that Rod Brindamore's message is we're not going to do anything different. And if they play the way they did against the Islanders and New Jersey, I think it's going to be real difficult for Florida in this series. Scott Burnside is joining us. Don't let, don't help us get our hopes up here, Scott. We're we're hoping to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, for the like. It's funny. ESPN put out a video 
uh, like the Hurricanes are back in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. A lot of fans took that as a slight. I took it as a sign of respect because the expectations have been raised because this was a team that was thought to be very good going into this season and is coming off, what were they, the third best team in the league last year uh, behind Florida and Colorado. They had third best record. The year before, they had the third best record in the entire NHL in the weird year where they divided up the divisions differently because there was no travel. So the expectations have been raised. Um, it, what's What's interesting about the Hurricanes and the way they have approached it uh, I think they've been able to take some liberties. The Islanders didn't have a great skating back end, uh, and they also didn't. They weren't a great offensive team. The yeah. Devils didn't have a very physical defense, and I thought Carolina could hem them in. I think Florida can handle both of those things. I think there's some physicality, and especially with Brandon Montour, who has been on a different level. I think they can skate. Yeah, there's no question this Panther team has, you know, a lot of different tools that they can bring to the table. And I thought what was impressive about the how they closed out that series against Toronto is that, you know, it, wasn't, it didn't have to be a running gun. It didn't have no. to be 5-4. Um, you know, they allowed only two goals a game in each of the five games against Toronto. A lot of that is Sergei Bavrovsky. Um, and, of course, having stellar goaltending covers up all kinds of yeah. miscues and flaws if you happen to have them. But they are a, a good skating team. I, I do think they're vulnerable on the back end to the four check, which, of course, is Carolina's forte. Um, you know, but they can certainly play it any way you want. There's there's a, a, a huge amount of toughness with that roster. There's a lot of belligerence. And you think of guys <laughs> like Sam Bennett and certainly Matthew Kachuk and Radko Gudash on the back end. And, you know, I think Mark Stahl's played very, very well for a guy who I think a lot of people thought maybe was, you know, really in the twilight of his career after leaving the Rangers. So they can play it a lot of different ways. But I think that's sort of, you know, to me, that's the kind of team that Carolina has no problem adjusting to as well, right? I mean, they play mm -hmm. that kind of uh, you know, sort of up-tempo and really aggressive, the defense in at the blue lines the whole time. It really is, you know, it's sort of going to be a cat-and-mouse game. You know, it means that Freddie Anderson, who I assume will get the start in game one, sure. uh, or Anthony Ranta, if, 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 if Rod Brindamore decides to, you know, to make the move uh, at any point in the series, those goaltenders have to be at their best because sometimes the chances that the Canes give up are of the more grade-A or B plus variety, mm. but I think that's it's risk reward for Carolina has been uh, under Rod Brindamore. And I think that's where they hope to exploit Florida is that I'm not sure top to bottom, their back end can match what Carolina is going to bring to the table. Well, Carolina's back end, Scott Burnside is with us and it took a while, probably took a good two or three months, but I don't know if, Carolina's ever had, and I we we've had great defensive pairings here. I don't know if they've ever had a better defensive pairing than Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns. I, not only the contrast, but they're both really good skaters. Brent has shown some more physicality in the playoffs uh, than really he had played with during the course of the season. They can both log big minutes, and as we've always talked about here, Jacob Slavin makes everybody look good. Uh, that's just about as good as a defensive pairing as you can have. 
Well, and I think it all flows from that. And you look around the NHL, and I think of the four teams that are remaining. And, you know, Vegas has a – there's so much going on in yep. Vegas on the back end. Dallas, the same way, with led by Miro Heiskanen. But in terms of one through six and the ability not to get caught up in, you know, the, the, the matchups or letting a matchup right. rule how you roll your team. And I think this – it's not just with the blue line with the Carolina Hurricanes. I think we've seen that. I think the Canes have 13 players with two or more goals in the playoffs. <laughs> so the ability to roll four lines is, is their – you know, it's at the core of their DNA. But that back end from one through six – um, it is, it, uh, there isn't a better group left in the playoffs right now. Um, at least that would be my argument. And it is led by Slavin and Burns and everything flows from them. And you can, uh, you know, if you have to play them a little bit more, it's not an issue. Um, and this is, you know, this is why you acquire Brent Burns. It's for these moments where, you know, if this is a long six or seven game series, you know, he's, this is why he's there. It's why Paul mm-hmm. Stastny is there. It's to help galvanize a room that is now, you know, eight games away from a Stanley Cup victory. And I, I, I've liked Brent Burns's game. I know there's a little bit of risk reward to mm-hmm. it. Uh, I've liked his game throughout the playoffs. And you're right. I think Jacob Slavin. If you had to vote right now, I know Jordan Martinuk might be the sentimental Canes <laughs> um, cons my. Yeah. vote leader right now but game in game out it, it's Jacob Slavin I think who has really set the tone for this team he's he's a wizard he's the the steal from Michael McLeod to uh set up the Natchez goal that made it 1-1 at the end of the first period I guess that was game four he yeah. took the puck so cleanly that McLeod didn't even realize it was gone at first, he was still making his move, and all of it, he looked down, the puck was gone. And Slavin had just took it from him and gave it to Jordan Martinuk. Uh, you, but you you brought up, Scott, the uh, the balance scoring. Jesper Faust is tied with Sebastian Ajo for the team lead in goals. I don't think we have to say anything else after that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he went back. I, I wish I knew the, what the Vegas odds were. All right, Hurricanes are going to the Eastern Conference Final, and Jasper Fast will have the share of the team lead. Or here's how about Jordan Martinuk with ten points in the second round? I, I think the odds would have been pretty steep against that. Yeah, but- after zero in the first round. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. I was on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888-843-0013. Or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Feast your family. <laughs> but, you know, again, I, I wrote this today, but the, the idea that, you know, you know, if Jordan Martinook Martin continues on this, you know, offensive rainbow, I mean, that's great. It's a great story. Yeah. But it could be anyone in that lineup. could be Jack yeah. Drury. It could be Seth Jarvis. It could be Jordan Stahl. Because I think that's how this, this team is built. Jasper Fast is a terrific example of that. And I like listen, I think it was fair to ask at the start of this playoff year, how is this team going to score enough goals yep. to 
not just beat the Islanders, but maybe advance to a Final Four and advance to a Stanley Cup Final. Well, they're north of three and a half goals a game. Um, they're dynamite on at even strength. Their power play has scored timely goals. Um, and, and, you know, again, it's the great cliche, but to get contributions from different parts of the lineup every single night or almost every night, that's difficult to overcome it you know again Vegas outlasts a very top heavy Edmonton (laughs) team in six games playing the exact same way if you don't have that it's very very difficult to win in the playoffs or at least win beyond one round Scott Burnside before I let you go and you go get the newsletter Burnside on hockey uh go to overtime Scott B on Twitter uh best way to uh to get the newsletter so I mean, I was going to ask you to pick the West. Just give me a quick pick of the West, then I want to ask you about Edmonton. Who's who's winning, Dallas or Vegas? Uh, so I I picked Vegas to lose to both Winnipeg and Edmonton, <laughs> so I'm out of that. So I, I've got Vegas in seven. Okay. Um, but both that should be a terrific series, again, because both those teams are really deep. Um, you know, Jason Robertson really hasn't got going. Got two power play goals. That's it. Um, and still Dallas is right there. Um, Jake Ottinger gives them or should give them a, 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 yeah. a leg up in goal. But something about Vegas, they just seem um, just right. And again, I think they remind me a little bit of Carolina. They found their groove. You know, Bruce Cassidy's done an amazing yes. job there in, you know, against some real difficult circumstances goaltenders hurt all year no mark stone uh i think vegas wins that in seven and maybe carolina wasn't supposed to see boston they were supposed to see bruce cassidy uh maybe that's it <laughs> maybe that maybe that's the real rivalry all right real quick about uh the edmonton oilers toronto as well what's missing from those two elements there's too much star power I thought Toronto was a different animal this year, but obviously not. I thought Edmonton made some good additions as well, but obviously not. What's missing there? Yeah, well, and I think you look at the teams that are, you know, that are remaining here, and I think there is a consistency of um, within the Final Four, and that is that you aren't too top-heavy, that you don't rely solely on, you know, like at the end of the day in Edmonton, if they weren't getting it done on the power play, they weren't getting it done. Sure. And that you cannot win that way. And, and, and really, too many defensive lapses and goaltending that was only ordinary. And I think, you know, the Leafs, a little bit different, but certainly their top four, I know they call them the core four, um, very disappointing in moments where the series was there for the taking. And, you know, that you, you can't have that. And so um, I, I think it is about building a team. I think it's about identity. I know these are all cliches that, you know, that certainly if you spend any time around the Carolina Hurricanes, that's what Rod Brindamore has talked about from the mm-hmm. moment he walked in the door in the fall of 2018. But it's a real thing. And I think you see that with Vegas. I think you certainly see it with Dallas and Florida. You know, the great upstart team there, you know, they believe in themselves. And I think, you know, I think that's been lacking in Edmonton and in Toronto for a number of years. I don't know what kind of changes both teams are going to to make because they're both so tight against the cap. The, <laughs> the flexibility is very limited. But it really does, I think, come down to character and identity and what you know, what your team stands for in terms of their DNA. And if you don't know that and if you can't build that, then you can't win. That's certainly those elements give Carolina a little bit of an edge. There's no question there is a ton of character 
uh, and an ide- a, a specific identity in that locker room. Uh, Overtime Scott B on Twitter. I appreciate your time. Get the newsletter. Uh, I'll see you soon, I know. Yeah, anytime, Adam. You got it. Scott Burnside. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.